that their play on the field put them toward the back of the line. Kaiser doesn't see him. Ball is out. There always seems to be one team further behind. All right, gang, welcome to the Brown Notes podcast, where we let them rip on the Cleveland Browns. My name is Scott. And this is Rico. And today, final game of the year, probably the best scenario you could ever have because the game was absolutely meaningless, really, um, from a certain point of view. Browns went down there, um, looked like worse than a preseason game. It was uh, a lot to hardly any. They managed to put together a couple TDs at the end. I think the final score was 31-24, or 31-14. So now, it's kind of like the wedding reception now, Scott. Like, you know, before today, and we're still kind of working it out. Like, you know, when you when you get married and you're trying to figure out the wedding reception and where everybody's going to sit and you don't want to, you know, put – Auntie Beth with cousin Jimmy because they hate each other. And but in order to do that, you got to know who's coming to the wedding reception. And we're still trying to figure that out. Uh, we think we have it nailed down for the most part. Buffalo's playing Miami as we're recording this. So, um, but we know that we Browns are going to Houston. So, what do you think about that? It's interesting, Rico. First of all, how are you, man? Thanks for covering last week. Hey, man, anytime. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming back. I, I feel bad because we never really got to have like that celebratory episode after Thursday night when we clinched the playoffs. By the everything overlapped the holidays in a weird way. Everybody has a lot of obligations. Now that we're past New Year's, it's clear sailing. But at that time, things were just wackadoodle. We never really got to have that moment to just be excited about clinching the playoffs and kind of reflect how awesome that Thursday night game was. So I guess, you know, I mean, we did a Jets post episode, but it was just, you know, we just never got to like kind of have that moment to be like, yeah, we did it. Let's have that moment right now before we before we proceed. Um, since we didn't have a chance to, let's just take like a couple of minutes, Scott, and just just bathe in in the glory that is a locked up playoff position with the final game of the season meaning absolutely nothing. That's awesome, right? That's it is great. It's weird. It's not a place I'm I'm accustomed to being in, but um, I don't know, man. I feel like since Thursday night. Everything has gone our way, you know, kind of since Flacco became the quarterback. And we're like, we don't know really what to make of this new offense we have and how great everything is going. But since Thursday night, could I dare I say nothing has gone our way? Let me lay this out. Miami 
got their asses kicked against the Ravens. We still had the number one seed in place coming out of Thursday night. It was it was like on the table in play. I mean, Miami got their asses kicked. I mean, walloped. Didn't even. And when we looked at that initially, we thought, oh, there's a chance the Ravens could lose their last two games. Well, Miami didn't even show up. The Steelers are just. I got it. They're just fucking amazing, man. I mean, I am just amazed at how kind of down and out at times that franchise seemed this year. They managed to get 10 wins. Uh, they went five and one in the AFC North. They played three different quarterbacks this year. They fired an offensive coordinator. It really felt like the Steelers were finally falling apart. The only quarterback in the AFC North to beat the Steelers was DTR. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. It's it's like the Steelers win on muscle memory. It's like they don't yeah. even need to field the better team. And finally, the other thing that hasn't gone our way is the Jacksonville Jaguars completed their late season collapse and we had hoped to play them in the wild card round, and we're going to be playing the Houston Texans, who to me, listen, if you want to win the Super Bowl, you're going to have to play good teams to get there. But to me, they're the most dangerous team of the three potential candidates we had, and I think we all were hoping for Jacksonville. So it feels like since that Thursday night of joy that kind of like nothing has really gone our way uh, in the NFL since then. Am I just being neurotic? Uh, no, you're being a Browns fan, which is okay. Um, so let's tackle those one at a time. <clears throat> so Miami is has kind of melted down. They they look like shit against Baltimore. They're playing Buffalo right now. Actually, I think in the grand scheme of things, um, Buffalo is going to wind up a lower wild card seed than the Browns. So what we want is for the Bills to get hot right now which is good because when the bills are hot that means scott that they go to um let's see if the bills win i believe they go to kansas city um the other scenario is they would play again at miami in either case if Buffalo loses, they play Miami again, and there's no way they're losing to them twice, which is good, and I'll tell you why. If they win, they go to Kansas City, and Kansas City's playing like shit, and this weekend's game is going to be less than 20 degrees, I which, which actually favors Buffalo, and Buffalo being hot and Kansas City not benefits Cleveland again, and here's why, because in either case, Buffalo being hot means that Buffalo wins in their wild card round, then they get to play Baltimore in the division series and Cleveland gets to play the other people, the other team, which is what we want. So we want Buffalo getting white hot right now, which is exactly what's happening. The Buffalo Buffalo is going to be the key for Cleveland to have it a little bit of an easier path through the conference. So that's actually a good thing. And, the Pittsburgh thing, yeah, dude, you brought that up earlier uh, when you said um, they winning for them is muscle memory, and I because we had a little Twitter disagreement about the Browns' performance today. Actually, you feel like they looked like shit, and it's bullshit that they looked like shit today, and that they could have, you know, 
potentially, I think what you were saying is, is they could have maybe killed a little bit of their mo by playing like shit today. Um, my take on the whole thing was, is like they were fielding practice squad guys that probably aren't even going to be on a roster next year. It's like taking a Yugo to a Camaro race. Um, you, you just don't have the the uh, the horses to be able to compete. Notice that in the fourth quarter, when Cincinnati finally took their starters out, the Browns started to look a little bit better because the playing field was leveled a little a little bit. Um, so I, I definitely see your point, but what's funny is, is Tomlin never having a losing season and, and not be is actually hurting him. And I'll tell you why, because they are a quarterback away from being, being just like the Steelers. And they're a quarterback away from being ridiculously dangerous and probably contenders all the time. The problem is, is he keeps them just good enough to not have a good enough draft pick in order to get a quarterback that they need. That can be there like another Roethlisberger that you can just plug them in and forget them for the next decade. Tomlin is not giving them the opportunity to have a high enough draft pick to get a quarterback. So what he's doing for them is great because he doesn't ever fucking lose. But on the other hand, they are in desperate need of a quarterback. And the only way they're going to get one at this point is if they make a deal for one. And there are going to be some guys, a few guys out there. But what was your third point again? I was talking about was the, Jag the Jaguars late season oh. collapse, which ultimately led us to getting our not the opponent that we preferred, but maybe the exact opposite, maybe the most dangerous wild card opponent. Yeah, this is this is absolutely where you and I agree a hundred percent. Um, I like I texted you earlier, like Houston scares the shit out of me, dude. Like they are firing they're feeling it right now and and they they may be whether or not they're firing on all cylinders like maybe buffalo is starting to is not the point the point is is that what makes them them dangerous is because you have a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback they don't know what they don't know and all they know right now scott is they're feeling it and when you're feeling it and you're ignorant to the pressure of the playoffs but you're feeling it like they are they they're they they've got all the the weight on their side and there's and they scare the crap out of me and i would have much rather have gone to jacksonville because they would have been limping into the playoffs not sprinting into the playoffs like houston so yeah, the, the honestly, I mean, I think Cleveland right now is as of this recording, Cleveland is favored by two points, um, as far as Vegas is concerned. Um, but Houston scares the piss out of me, dude. I, I'm not sure how to feel about that. Um, the Steelers clinched a playoff spot, so yeah, I yeah. think they're I I think this might be a little controversial because we've been pretty much giving Kevin Stefanski the coach of the year award, but I think you can make an argument that Mike Tomlin could get it too. Um, I'm not saying you he could. will, because I think that people take him for granted because he's been around forever and all he's done is win, but you can make an argument. Do you think the AFC North is the toughest division in football? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see how you could make an argument against that. I mean, there are other divisions with really great teams, but this division has four really great teams. Um, the difference being 
you know, quarterback situation, you know, Cincinnati would have it's still managed a nine and eight record with a backup quarterback. And to your point about Mike Tomlin, they're in the playoffs with three quarterbacks, one shy of Cleveland's. I'm not even going to count the five quarterback thing because the last game was you can't really count Driscoll, even though technically you could say five quarterbacks, but really four quarterbacks. Um, so, yeah, like Cincinnati has a winning record with two quarterbacks. Pittsburgh is in the playoffs with three quarterbacks. So, yeah, I, absolutely the North is how – can, how could you argue against it? This is the first time since 1935 that every team in the division has finished the season with the winning record. Well, and I'm, I'm asking you that to kind of back up my point that you could make an yeah. argument for Tomlin being head coach of the year because they went five and one in yeah. the North. That's dominant as fuck, dude. The Browns yeah. had a chance today to go four and two. And th this is what upsets me is that I understand we were playing scrubs against starters. I understand Cincinnati, I guess, had more to play for. But to me, it's it comes back to culture. And it's just like I look at that and I really do think that anybody who's watched the NFL for any window of time would say if there's any franchise you want to model yourself after, it's the Steelers. And I just don't see the Steelers laying if 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 it was the Steelers and not the Browns in that exact same situation, I just don't see a Steelers team showing up and looking that poor against their opponent they may lose and i didn't expect the browns to win today but to just get your clock clean like that i felt like i just felt like it was you know at some point the browns we've talked about this culture shift with the team and i've said many times they've played this year like a tomlin coach team and i just wanted to see them go out get that 12th win that this franchise has only done once in, in its entire history, and that was 86, to go out and match that 1986 win total, to go four and two in a super tough division, and to keep the winning going. We've done nothing but win for the last month. And so I even in a meaningless game, and I know people will probably slag me for it and be like, hey, it's like you know, placing an importance on preseason games or whatever. But I just wanted to see the good mojo keep rolling. I did not want to play any starters, didn't want Miles Garrett to play, didn't want Flacco or any of the receivers. I was even surprised to see Elijah Moore out there a couple times today. But yep. I just wanted to see them continue to build on the culture that even when how great is your culture if even when a game means nothing and you're playing backups if you go out and get that win you know what i mean that that is steelers like and that's what i want the browns to get to it's aspirational i understand it's unrealistic and i understand it's silly for me to sit there and get mad watching that game but it's aspirational and you have to at some point say i want this team to have a certain standard having said all that they could go out and win the super bowl but i was a little upset today watching the game well and i think this is and this is uh you know we don't we we rarely disagree on stuff. Like to be honest with you, I mean, and we've been we've been doing podcasts now for a really long time, and and like rarely do we disagree on anything, which is kind of bizarre actually. But I think we kind of disagree a little bit on this one because I honestly, like honestly, don't think that they. 
I think, I think they wanted to win. I think they tried to win. And I think they do care about their culture a lot because that has taken them probably farther this season than maybe people realize. I mean, yeah, you know, Kevin Stefanski's done a great job and Jim Schwartz has done it. Jim Schwartz and Bubba Ventron have all done a great job of holding it together um, with, with uh, all the injuries that have taken place this year. But if you don't have good culture, then then the coaches are just spinning their wheels and it's not mattering very much. So I do think culture matters. I think they care about culture and I really do think they were trying to win this game. But the fact that the players they were fielding just are not in the same league as Cincinnati starters. The only difference really between this the team that the team that the Browns played today through three and a half quarters and the team that they played that anybody else played at any other point in the year is none. Uh, they, this is the same team that's been that, that's played the entire season. They play these guys are all legitimate starters, and even their backup quarter quarterback, um, Jake Browning, uh, I believe that's his name, is playing as good as probably half the starters in the league. So that is a legit winning record football team that eighty five percent of the Browns players that we're playing today like i said aren't even going to be on a roster next year and it's kind of like me trying to have a foot race against tyree kill i'm gonna try my ass off and i care about winning no fucking way i'm winning that race though so i i, I think I, I agree with you in that i would have loved to have seen a 12th win 12 and 5 sounds really great and winning your last game of the year against a division opponent especially Cincinnati sounds really super great and I think they all wanted that but I think they're more interested in and you 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 agreed with this um you said so that be going in to the Houston game which now we know it's Houston is more important than getting this win because really I, the culture ought to be good enough to get over this this loss, and if it isn't, then they're doomed anyways. So I feel like everybody in Berea felt like everything was solid enough that they can just field a bunch of practice squad guys, lose, and it not matter. Because I feel like they think Berea and the locker room and the culture is solid enough and the coaching has been good enough to be able to get over that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's probably, it's probably not super interesting to spend too much more time on the, on this Bengals game that we're probably spending more time thinking about it than the Browns <laughs> did, quite honestly, <laughs> but, um, comeback player of the year. Everybody keeps talking about Flacco. And I got to wonder if there's an argument to be made for Baker Mayfield. He won the division today. Um, they're going to the playoffs. I saw, I've seen a few stats online comparing his kind of Buccaneers season stats to Tom Brady's and, and Baker's, you know, at least in the regular season, surpassing him. So Baker Mayfield is a division winner and heading to the playoffs. How do we feel about that? Don't uh, I happy for him? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm, I'm happy that in. Uh, I, who knows if he's going to wind up being there next year? Um, really, it's a good spot for him. I mean, uh, but, but to, to answer your question, I 100% agree with you. Um, ba good on him 
he he kind of found his place this season, won a division. He's been let go, traded. He's been on four teams. He absolutely ought to be comeback player of the year, in my opinion, for sure. Because, I mean, Flacco looks great, man, but he's only been back in the league for four ga- or five, four or five games. Yeah, you wow. can't give a guy comeback player of the year on five games. You just can't, especially since there's other backup quarterbacks that are also playing really fucking good. So it would be a little bit different if like every other backup, like there's like 85 backups in the league right now. And a lot of them are playing really good. The guy, Aiden O'Connell, I think is his name. The guy from the Raiders, he's looking pretty fucking good. Jake Browning looked good. Um, uh, Will Levis from Tennessee, he looks pretty good too. And there's probably some other ones that I'm missing, but the point is, yeah, this is this is Baker Mayfield's ward for sure. Not not uh, not Demar Hamlin. He only really played in one or two games, so it's 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 a great story that he's able to play again, and it's a great story that he's back on the roster and that he saw some playing time. It's a great story that should be kind of like its own universe, though. But it's I agree with you. It ought to be Baker's award. He, he's had a great year, man. Division winner. Good on him, man. Congrats. And he played. He played the whole season, you know, which yeah. is something that Joe Flacco or Demar Hamlin can't say. Um, it's just, it's yeah. just interesting because the hist- whatever happens to the Browns going forward, for better or for worse, is tied to Baker Mayfield and what does or doesn't happen to Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. So totally, and especially for Deshaun Watson, I think I posed the question to you via text message and it's just maybe an interesting kind of question for uh our listeners to ponder is what's more important for deshaun watson to outplay joe flacco or outplay baker mayfield you know moving forward um i think there's something to that right because if the remainder of mayfield's career somehow manages to be more productive and better than the remainder of whatever watson has left then the trade looks like a bust doesn't it and conversely flacco um it would be pretty hard for just about any quarterback to outplay what flacco has done the last you know month five weeks it'd be hard for just about any quarterback to outplay that i mean he's playing on such an insane video game level but the reality is the thing that gets Watson off the hook to me with Flacco is Flacco is going to be 40 years old. And so how much, even, even if you could re-sign him, how much future is there, right? You don't know. I mean, we remember um, Peyton Manning going out and winning an MVP one year and the next year, his arm was a wet noodle, you know? So you just don't know it can change overnight. Not everybody's Tom Brady. So, you know, but I just, it's an interesting kind of thought experiment. What's more important for Watson to simply eclipse Mayfield or eclipse Flacco moving forward? Yeah. You know, um, the Flacco thing, I, I think at this point in time, like, like we had said, I think everybody that is witnessing the Flacco thing, I think is we're, we're all just chalk. Like we said before, I think we're all just chalking this up to an alternative timeline. Right. And so it's hard to, even though, we're all going to do it. We're all going to go because it's what I think what they call a recency bias, right? Because the Flacco thing is the last thing that you're seeing. And it's the last, and it's the most recent thing that you remember. So that's the thing that you're going to judge with Deshaun Watson on the most, but you made a really great point because 
this, the whole Deshaun Watson acquisition to begin with was is always going to be tied to Baker Mayfield because they said publicly that Baker was the guy, and then they then they made that deal and traded him and got rid of him. Um, so you're getting rid of one for the other. So really, that is going to be more tied together than what we're all going to look at with regard to Flacco. But but we can't do that. It's a different timeline. And it's recency bias. So yeah, I mean that's that's a great point. He, uh, <laughs> what puts even more pressure on him is you know we say, and you asked, well, should is it going to be one or the other? But I think it's going to wind up ultimately being both. He's going to be tied to Baker Mayfield and Joe Flacco, and that's going to put and this is a different discussion. It's going to put so much pressure on him and on the staff and everybody for him to live, especially since Baker won the division, he could very well get comeback player of the year. If he wins comeback player of the year as a division winner, and then Flacco wins at least one playoff game, it's going to be a lot of pressure next year. Not, not just on him, but on everybody in Berea to, to do better because that's what everybody's going to expect. And if they don't, people are ready with the fucking torches and hatchets, dude the way it's going to be unfortunately yeah i i'm desperately trying not to allow my mind to go to next fall i just you know and i did bring the question up but it's just because baker has baker has made the question relevant you know really baker is the one who's pushing it baker's the one who could potentially make deep podesta and haslam and barry and maybe stefanski had a little bit to do with it he could put a little egg on their face um But that's all kind of negative. I mean, the reality is we can only really, we got to go one and oh this week more than ever. And really what we got to be thinking about is next Sunday we have, or it's Saturday, right? Is it Saturday at three or Sunday at three? Uh, well, according to DraftKings, um, it's Saturday at four thirty. Saturday at four. But the official okay. schedule, as of this recording, I haven't seen it. I just went on DraftKings to look up the odds, and they had a t- date and time. They had they had date and times for all of them. And Cleveland, Houston was Saturday at four thirty. Don't know what channel it's going to be on, but I think it's going to be Saturday afternoon. So I mean, it all comes down the next weekend, man. We got to win a game, and we got to play a tough opponent. We got to go on the road where we haven't been as successful. But um, you know, next fall will happen when it happens. But we got to go beat the uh, go beat the Oilers. How nervous are you on a scale of one to ten playing Houston on Saturday? Uh. 10 being complete meltdowns. Maybe a 2.5. Wow, really? Yeah. You're pretty confident, man. Yeah, I am. I mean, I think, I think, I mean, listen, I could say on paper and it would sound ridiculous, but I mean, the Browns are, are a really good football team. I mean, the Browns are not like a mirage. I mean, they've been consistently like really, really good for like the last five weeks. And I mean, the offense is, is operating at a very high level. The defense is really, really, really well coached and really, really good. Special teams is good. They're going to be coming off of essentially a buy guys. will have a chance to get healthy. Um, I don't worry about them coming out kind of sleepy because of the week off. I think there's veteran leadership in the name of Joe Flacco in the locker room who's been there done that ain't going to let it happen um 
I, I just, and you're going up against, I mean, as great as CJ Stroud has been, he's a rookie. And so I think that the, I think the Browns, you know, are just a better football team than the Texans. Does that always mean that you're going to win? Not necessarily, but you know, so I might, I'm not nervous at all. You know, I would rather play the Jaguars, but um, then I'd just be chalking it up as a win, you know, given as bad because, <laughs> because the Jags have been really, really bad for the last month, but, <laughs> but you know, I, so I'm not going to go as far as just to be, you know, chalk it up as a win, but I feel like the Browns should go out there and just take care of business. Dude, I, I'm like, honestly, I'm like north of five on that scale. I'm probably like a good six, maybe what, six nervous? and a half on that. Yeah. But I, I don't know, man. Like, they've been really not great on the road. I mean, I will say that Stefanski historically in Cleveland has been really good after a loss. So there's that. But they've they've been kind of stinky on the road, dude. And Houston is, like I said, they're feeling themselves right now. And when you got a bunch of young bucks that don't know any better, that's when they can be super dangerous. And and they are really dangerous right now. So I'm probably like about a six or six and a half on that scale. I don't want to be that high. I mean, I want to be in Relaxville like you are for sure, but I, I can't get down that far just yet. I mean, I'm not relaxed. I mean, it's the Browns. I mean, they're always, you always look for disappointment, but I'm just thinking, <laughs> I think though, that if you're really honest about it, there's a reason why people like Rich Eisen and Stephen A. Smith are looking at the Browns and saying this team could win it all because the Browns have been playing at an elite level for in the time of year when it matters most. I mean, the Browns have gotten hot when it matters the most at the right time. And I, I to your point, Houston's feeling it too, but I just feel like the Browns have, you know, they have special talent in a lot of places. And, and about those road losses, I mean, how many road losses has Joe Flacco been a part of? Uh, good point. Just one. One. And it was his first first game. And it was his first game. So, you know, you can look at, they haven't been that great on the road. Yeah, but they've been starting DTR and PJ Walker and, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, who was terrified of the Steelers. I mean, they, you know, it's, so we haven't I mean, seen, it, we haven't seen the Joe Flacco Browns go on the road. We saw them wrap up a disastrous West Coast trip with Joe Flacco in his first game. But we haven't seen this how this travels with Joe Flacco. I think it's going to be fine. I think Joe Flacco has a really good postseason record. You know, I know he's 100 years old, but I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, you know, if they if they win on Saturday, he will be the winningest playoff quarterback. He will have the most playoff wins in the history of the NFL if they beat Houston on Saturday. How about that? But, you know, it's funny because <laughs> I I think about, like, why the – like, again, I, I'm hung up on the Steelers because I'm so impressed with what they're doing right now. And the Steelers, again, are just winning on muscle memory. And why did the Browns, with all their talent, go out and go 7-10 and 10 last year and whatever they did the year before, 6-10 and 10 or whatever it was – when that was a really, really talented roster both years, right? So why can't the Browns go out in a in a quote-unquote mediocre year and do what the Steelers do, just win 10 games and make a wild card? <laughs> why? Why, right? And 
one absolutely thing that, one thing that's occurred to me that's different about this iteration of the Browns going into the playoffs is I think those previous versions of the Browns have lacked veteran leadership. We've always had this model that Andrew Barry was after where he was like, well, any player we bring in has to fit a certain criteria. They need to be less than 26 years old. They need to be on their first or second contract. You know, they weren't going to bring in guys who were 30, 31. In fact, they were getting rid of those guys. They were going the other direction, right? Well, I think that kind of hurt those other Cleveland Browns teams in years two and three with Kevin Stefanski was they didn't have. And when they did have veteran leadership, it was coming from guys like Jacoby Brissett who, who don't win, you know, so or Jadavian Clowney who are a cancer in the locker room. Right. Right. And so they finally went out this year when winning was desperate to keep everybody's jobs and they went out and brought in, you know, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, they brought in Zadarius Smith. They brought in some veteran guys on defense. They brought in a Jim Schwartz, who I would consider a veteran leader, even though he's not playing on the field. And now at quarterback, where it matters the most, they bring in Joe Flacco, who not only is a veteran, but this is going to sound kind of weird, but he has the calming influence of like a dad in the locker room. You know what I mean? And <laughs> that's, a, if, that's a, exact. I know what you mean. If you think about men, men tend to follow an alpha male. It's not, I'm not trying to say we all have like a stranger things hive mind, but we kind of do. And if you take yeah. a collection of men and then you bring in an alpha and typically it's not going to be a younger guy because men are too, our egos won't allow us to listen to or follow someone younger than us. It has to be like, almost like a father figure. We'll like, it's like, we'll, you know, be attracted to that, you know, like this, that's like a magnet. Right. And I think that's what you're really seeing with Joe Flacco is been there, done that to, he quipped, he's old enough to be their dad. And they're like, oh my God, leadership, someone who's been there, you know, they can. And so the guys are just, I mean, it's, 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 I think it's the difference between those Stefanski teams that sputtered and this one that has actually gotten better with adversity. Well, sure. And uh, I think Andrew Barry learned that you can't win a game on analytics and spark scores alone that culture and attitude and leadership matter. And, you know, sometimes you got to stumble a few times before you learn how to walk and learn how to run. And I think, uh, Andrew Barry's learning that. And, and we've talked about this before. I, I really do think they were paying attention to the guardians and the Cavs and how far those teams went just on culture alone, pretty much. So uh, th that is very true. And that was a great point about, about Flacco and the alpha male dad thing. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's the problem that maybe guys like Baker and Deshaun Watson run into. I mean, can you be that guy and be a peer? Because that's because Deshaun Watson right now, up until now, anyways, appears to be more of a peer than he does an alpha and like, like that's guys like Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, though, uh, Josh Allen, like those type of dudes are alphas. Like they're, they're, they're peers. They're all peers. 
but you know what I'm saying? You can't be when you're in that position, that is the most important position on the field. And you can't, sorry, you can't be a peer. You have to be a dad or a leader or the general. You have to be that. And people on the field have to look at you that way. So that's a really great point. Um, we only have a few minutes left, so let's lay, let me lay this out to you. Did you know that it's actually plausible for the Browns to host a playoff game? So what we want, Scotty, is we want um, Buffalo to win their wild card game, and we also want Pittsburgh to win their wild card game because if the two teams below us keep winning, then we get to host a playoff game. How about that? Wouldn't that be something? Well, I mean, Buffalo and Pittsburgh certainly could win their respective games. There's no question yeah. to me for that. So, I mean, especially the Steelers, the Steelers scare me. Not going to lie, man. They're, now you want to talk. If you want to do the nervous meter, if we had to pay, play the Steelers, I would not be saying a 2.5. I would be saying I'm at like a 7. So, so yeah, because if there's one team that is in the in the Browns kitchen permanently it's the Pittsburgh Steelers they are yeah. there will never leave the Browns kitchen they are permanently fixed there so yeah I agree with you and they beat the shit out of the AFC North this year I mean five and, <laughs> five one, and one is no fucking joke man um, and their fan base and 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 uh sports talk guys still they all still want Tomlin fired and I even saw that real quick before we go they were talking you know the the after game you know, discussion that all the talking heads had, they were still referring to Mike Tomlin as maybe he's not going to be there next year. I don't understand that. The guy's a legend. Why would you not want him there till he can't walk anymore? That's madness. Sometimes you, sometimes when you get everything you want for Christmas every year, your entire life, it distorts your kind of like sense of reality of the world. That's true. That's and a good I think point, man. they're just, they are, they're the kids who have every present they asked for under the tree every year. And so God. they're just not, they're not looking at the world the same way we do. Fucking Yenzers, man. Damn it. Yeah. All right, man. Anyway, let's wrap it up. so we're go Browns, go Buffalo, go Pittsburgh. We need them to win. So we're, we're rooting for. We're not. We're rooting against Miami. We're rooting against the Chiefs, Scott. Saturday, 4.30 in Houston. I can get on board with that. For right. sure. Go Browns. Go Browns. Cleveland Browns, all day, all night. Ever wonder if rock and roll is dead? Does the music we grew up loving align with modern sensibilities? Or should it be relegated to the dustbin of regrettable rock history? My name is Scott. And this is Rico. We are your rock and roll pathologists. Join us as we take your favorite songs and put them under the knife every week on Rock and Roll Autopsy. New episodes every Sunday at midnight, wherever you stream your podcasts. The Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast.